We are back with the first episode of 2023 and our 14th episode of the Hubscale podcast. This week, we have the Chief Customer Officer of Sky High Networks, Abhay Solopakar, on the show. With over 30 years experience in global support, professional services, customer success in vendors such as Zscaler, ServiceNow and Cisco, we're all going to learn a few things today, especially heading into 2023. Abhay, it's great to have you on. Thank you so much, Aliyah. That's such a great pleasure to be on a call with you and sharing some of the best practices and experience with our fellow members. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, I know I appreciate you coming on today. I know it's going to be an exciting year heading into 2023. And um, yeah, really, really exciting topics to go through today with you as well. But I guess for everybody listening to the podcast who doesn't know Abhay, could you give a quick introduction to yourself? Absolutely. Hey, folks, uh, this is Abhay Solapurkar, Chief uh, Customer Officer at Sky High Security. Initially, it was Sky High Networks, which was acquired by McAfee. Uh, been in business for close to three plus decades in post sales. Exciting journey ahead in 2023. Awesome. No, that's fantastic. And I know, obviously, you've been, you was at Sky High before, then through the acquisition, then now back at Sky High again. So tell me a little bit about Sky High's mission and, and uh, yeah, number one, why you came back as well. Absolutely. I mean, Sky High Networks uh, was a fantastic endeavor, uh, you know, put together by very, very great founders uh, to focus on cloud access security broker. That was the initial construct with which the company was put together. We were the pioneers, innovators in that space, uh, leaders in the magic quadrant uh, as defined by Gartner. And as we got to a pivotal point in the journey of any startup, we got acquired by McAfee and we became part of the McAfee's cloud security business unit. Uh, but over a period of time, as you know, industry changes. Uh, there are more puts and takes, there are investments, divestures, uh, Sky High, uh, McAfee actually went public. Then uh, we got sold to SDG, uh, Symphony Technology Group. And then Symphony Technology Group renamed because there was a McAfee consumer side and a McAfee enterprise side. The McAfee enterprise side got branded as Trellix. And then eventually SDG decided to, uh, to clearly create a demarcation because the product portfolios were very unique. Uh, Trellix was absolutely focused on EDR, XDR market, which is very much focused from an endpoint perspective. And Sky High Security was then carved out of Trellix to focus on the security services edge market, what we call as an SSE, which is a combination of CASB uh, plus Secure Web Gateway. And that is how uh, Sky High Security was born. Uh, thrilled to be back at Sky High Security. Uh, we are one of the pioneers uh, and in the SSC space, we have been identified as a leaders by Gartner uh, in the SSC space. And this was simply a fantastic opportunity to look at both from an innovation perspective, but also to solve some of our customers' problems. I mean, data security is a very important topic. And if you look at our vision, our vision is to protect world's data. So we are building cloud native solutions where our unique platform capabilities are going to allow large strategic customers and our partners to secure the customer's data irrespective of where you are. So you could be accessing, collaborating from any device anywhere. We don't focus on access. We focus more on how do we secure your data so that your privacy, your security, your compliance, all these aspects are well addressed uh, from a platform perspective. 
we are truly a multi-cloud capability, so we can uh, you know, look at the data from multiple clouds, whether you're sitting in Azure, whether you're sitting in AWS, or whether you're sitting in a Google Cloud. This is something which is very unique of Sky High Security. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I've um, I've been watching Sky High for a while, and we've known each other for for a few years now as well. Even back at uh, back at your previous time there, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's been an amazing journey with watching how you've kind of grown as well. So, no, absolutely awesome stuff. And um, so, a, a really important topic today, I think, is going to be diving into a few things. But one of them is the role of a chief customer officer, because um, obviously you're looking after everything from support to customer success to professional services. And if you look at some typical roles, you have that kind of spread across multiple areas as well. So I'd just like to know a little bit more and for the, everybody listening about the actual role itself of a chief customer officer. Absolutely. I mean, it's a very unique evolution in the role of support and customer success and PS into a chief customer officer role. But if you broadly look at it, it's all about providing that rich experience to the customer so that they can derive maximum value from the product. I mean, those days are gone where you can put in a box like a Cisco router or a Juniper router and you know you let it run. Today, customers have got a lot of choices and this is a service. And when you want to provide a service, the quality of the service, the customer experience is very important. So the chief customer officer as role is basically a lot more complex, but it can be simplified when you start looking at what is the value you want to provide to your end customers. Customers buy your product when they love the experience. You know, there's nothing called as a perfect software. You're always going to have some challenges, some issues, but how do you react? How do you mitigate? So how do you put together a customer lifecycle framework is where the chief customer officer role becomes critical because that is where you define what the outcomes are. And it's an interesting opportunity. I mean, you're going to see this more evolve even a lot more um, as we get into more digital transformation, as we get into more bringing automation into customer success, customer support, and professional services. Yeah, no, for sure. It's a, it's definitely an exciting role as well. And it's, it's a real strategic position because I know you and I have talked about in the past as well. I mean, you're reporting to the CEO, you're presenting to the boards and everything along those lines as well. So tell me a little bit more about that side of it then, because obviously it's a really senior role, C-level position within an organization. How can you have that strategy and how can you really drive the business forward as a CCO? Absolutely. So if you step back for a minute, you know, every company is trying to do two things. One is they're trying to expand their footprint into the market by looking at how they can acquire more customers. And then the second piece of the puzzle is with your existing customers, how can you create more upsell, cross-sell opportunities? When you look at these motions, and typically one is called as the hunting motion, the second is called as a farming motion. And customer success as a group, which is a combination of multiple functions, whether it's CSM, professional services, global support, global TAM, each of these functions have a very critical role in terms of how you operationalize certain things, how you react to a support ticket, how do you get the product deployed, and how do you create that orchestration across the install base so that they get the value from the product. So when you look at these all elements, right, it becomes very critical to understand how you're gonna focus on retaining the customer, because unless you retain the customer, you cannot create an upsell cross-sell motion. So the focus has to be first on retention. And when you peel that onion a little bit further, retention is nothing but creating that value for the customer from the time they purchase the product, operationalize the product, 
And then how do we make sure that that value is consistently seen so that we can present them best practices based on verticals? So you can clearly see that the impact at the highest level is retention, which is, you know, if you look at it purely from a dollar's perspective, you can call it as gross dollar retention. Now, unless you get that retention in place, because in many situations, you're going to sell 10,000 licenses to the customer, as an example. But if the customer only deploys 5,000 licenses, when you come for renewal, they're not going to pay for 10,000. So the operationalization function becomes so important. So at the highest level, whether it is the CEO or the board, they are consistently looking at, hey, what's our net renewal rate? What's our gross renewal rate? Because once you hit the renewal rate at north of 90%, that's recurring revenue. Because hunting takes a lot of time. I mean, you know, large whale hunting is almost like a nine-month process. So in this context, this particular role becomes even more strategic because one is from an operationalization perspective, you have to make sure all these functions are working as one cohesive unit on providing the rich experience of value to the customer. On the second part is if you have great customers, happy customers, then it is becoming gonna be a lot more easier for your sales to create a lot more sales, more higher, better velocity from a sales perspective, right? Because you can use referenceability. Mm -hmm. You can leverage customers through an advocacy function where peer groups and peer CISOs always talk about quality of products, quality of service. So in large, this group plays a very important role in ensuring that one, you drive retention, which will lead to upsell, cross-sell. And as you drive customer referenceability, these customers are gonna become references for your prospects. And that's how the whole ecosystem works. I mean, uh, and I'm sure you've gone through the experience and someone says, hey, this particular you know, for iPhone is great or this particular motorcycle is great. You get influence, right? At the end of the day, it's the influence, right? And that's how, you know, you go to a restaurant, you see a Michelin rating and you're, oh, this is a classic restaurant. So the influence that, that the peer groups create becomes very important. And that is all based on the experience um, that these functions provide. And, and that's where you can see the difference, right? That how this role has evolved where the C CRO and the CCO work very closely as two in the box, both focusing on customer experience, but both coming up with different dimensions. One focusing more on upsell cross-sell, one focusing more from a retention perspective so that the upsell cross-sell becomes a lot more easy. No, for sure. I'd like to touch on that as well, because you, you've been at startups and, and obviously larger uh, uh, public companies as well. So tell me a little bit more, because that the part that you mentioned there about finding the references really early on at a startup is literally critical to a business to, to go and expand. So tell me more about that, um, especially right at the startup world. How does it differ, uh, customer success piece and everything on those lines than it would do in a, in a public vendor? Absolutely. I mean, there isn't much difference whether you are a large company or a small company. But what has happened is that the customer success function has gone through its evolution. You've got two prevalent models, perhaps even more models in the industry. But if you look at the original model, the original model was put together to focus more on renewals. The second model that came up was like, you know, renewals alone cannot be the function because you've got a lot of folks calling the customer dialing for dollars. And we heard from a lot of CISOs that we need a function that is going to become a trusted advisor. So depending upon the maturity of the company, maturity of the product, the kind of customers you're dealing with, one or the other model is prevalent or it could be a hybrid model. In all the companies that I've worked with, I've always chosen the second model because sales 
is great at farming and they're also great at hunting. But we need to understand that farming and hunting can only happen when the customer is truly getting the value. So you have to come up with an hybrid approach like for large strategic customers, you know, million dollar customers, the value creation is extremely important. You cannot get the product deployed in first 15 days and expect that customer is extracting or exploiting the value from the platform. So we took a very focused approach on that consumption adoption, which leads to value realization. And through the whole customer lifecycle that we have created a framework, right from onboarding, right from the time we get the purchase order. So how do you onboard the customer? How do you drive them through the entire life cycle so that renewal becomes more of a mechanical motion? Because you're getting the value from the product, from the services we deliver. We're consistently presenting best practices to them. So they know where do they stand from a consumption adoption perspective? Is it solving the issue for which they bought our product? That's the fundamental issue. So that's where we came up with something called as our own cloud maturity model. And in that cloud maturity model, we have set of use cases that allow us to take the customer throughout the journey so that they can maximize the potential from the product, from our services. And that creates a very sticky value proposition. I mean, we all know that if a product doesn't get deployed in the first 30 days or first 60 days, it becomes shelfless. And when it's shelfware, it's very hard to reignite that and start the whole process. So one of our maniacal focus was that during the PO process, how do we make sure that our customer success managers are tightly integrated into the system so that both from a systems perspective and an engagement perspective, we have given the right prerequisites to the customer so that we can maniacally drive the deployment of the product. A very important thing, a lot of folks in the industry focus on time to deploy. And it's great, but time to deploy doesn't equate to time to value. Yeah. And we have to shrink that gap between time to deploy and time to value. So one of our focus is that how short can we create the time to value so that as soon as the product is implemented, deployed, the customers are actually seeing the value from the product. In, in our case, turning on an API or in many cases, or configuring a GRE tunnel or an IPsec tunnel doesn't mean that customer is getting value. When the traffic starts going, when you start applying policies, when customers start seeing the benefit from the product, that's the value. And you need to continue to drive the value. So we don't see much difference whether it's a large company or a small company, because at the end of the day, the outcomes are what matters, right? There are business outcomes that you as a vendor want to drive, which is definitely you want to drive retention, renewal, upsell, cross-sell. But there are values that the customer wants to drive, the business case for which they've got the product. If I'm sitting in the CPO chair as the chief product officer, I want to get more feedback from the customer so that I can drive innovation. I can create more product supportability initiatives so that the product is simple to use. And at the end of the day, we have to use the KISS principle, right? Keep it sweet and simple so the customers can use the product a lot more efficiently because you don't have that many folks in the market that are cyber trained that have got the highest level of security excellence. So creating that product simple is equally important. So I clearly see that you know the demarcation between large or a mid-size or a small startup isn't there today. It's a subscription-based economy. People love the service. They're going to continue with you. If you cannot provide the value, naturally it's the end of the road for, for, for men, from, 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 a, from a vendor perspective. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I love that. The, the time to value rather than the, 
the kind of the, the days itself. No, I, I really, I really think that's very useful for a lot of people listening and um, especially heading into this year as well, which I'm so excited to talk about this because I'm seeing this everywhere, all over LinkedIn, all over everybody who I speak to about heading into 2023 and the macro headwinds and, and what's going on in the market right now. How can people keep their customers moving in and how how important customer success and your role is right now heading into this year? So just tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on, on 23 and things like that. So 2023, definitely we are seeing some macroeconomic challenges. Uh, the headwinds are going to create uh, turmoil in the industry. Now, we've not seen typically anything major in the security side of the house. Uh, we do know that security is a very important aspect of how we protect our assets uh, from the bad actors. So I've not seen so much of scale down in the investment. But, you know, we have to always take a very cautious route that things may turn extremely negative or they might go into neutral territory. But one thing that's very critical that as we are heading into 2023, what we started in 2022 was our maniacal focus on how we look at creating value for the customer. And creating value is not just about putting together a PowerPoint and saying, hey, this is what our product does. These are our capabilities. It's really sitting down with the infrastructure, the security architecture team, the security operations team to really ask fundamental questions like, why did you buy this product? A decision was made to buy this product based on particular use case, but how is it helping you from an operationalization perspective? What can we do differently so that you consistently get the value from the product? You're able to exploit the capabilities of the product. You're able to provide us feedback. This is where we have gaps. So that maniacal focus on customer is going to be immensely critical in 2023. We have to swarm these accounts with all the capabilities we have, whether it is from professional services, prosecuting and health check and architecture review to really understand, is the product being implemented correctly? You know, has the customer made some changes to, let's say in our case, you know, we provide DLP capabilities across a multi-cloud environment. So are the policies being put together correctly so that you aren't getting any false positives? Because we want to make sure that you're not creating so much issue that security operations is tired with getting so many false positives that you're like really ignoring everything. And then once in a while you really get that issue and it's been ignored because of so much of noise. So we have to consistently provide those architectural reviews, those health checks to make sure that the state with which the customer wants to maximize the value is consistently maintained. And that is the number one thing that maniacal focus on, on customer. Second important thing that we also need to make sure is that this is also an opportunity. This is an opportunity to understand how we can create additional innovation and probably even accelerate our innovation because this is where when things slow down, people are not going to buy in a lot more things. They are going to try and maximize the value from what they have. So it is a unique opportunity for us and being a vendor which, which loves to focus on speed and agility, we can drive innovation a lot more faster. And our product management team, our engineering teams are maniacally focused on putting together a 2023 strategy on what are some of the things that we can innovate. For example, product supportability is often overlooked. This is a perfect opportunity to understand how do you keep it simple so that we can troubleshoot, we can capture certain things, and we can be proactive. See, everything is over the web. So when someone says this is a performance issue, it's a very broad statement. Is the performance because of a local issue? Is it because of an ISP? Or is it global? Or is it at an application level? So when you build in those kind of capabilities where you can do packet captures, do some analysis, it becomes 
it's very easy for a support engineer to troubleshoot certain things and faster the capability to troubleshoot analyze and provide a response the better the customer experience so we definitely think innovation is the other thing third important thing is you know we have also i mean a lot of folks do this today but consistently focusing on the CISO community, building customer advisory board, partner advisory board is another very important thing because we need to understand the pulse of every single customer. You know, we are spread across large strategic. We are also focused on mid-tier accounts and we don't want to lose sight of feedback coming from our mid-tier customers as well. So from our perspective, it's all about engaging across the board, driving innovation, and at the same time, maintaining that maniacal focus on execution. I mean, that's how we're looking at 2023. And then, you know, you have to look at every outcome. You'll have to manage your operating expenses, et cetera. Uh, but those three things are, are going to be absolutely critical. And then you can package all these things with corporate marketing, creating those wonderful messages so that our customers, our partners continue to hear, you know, what we are doing from a product innovation perspective, what, what's our release cycle, we want to be as proactive uh, so that the so that the customers are not surprised when we upgrade our cloud environment. They exactly know what are the new features coming in, and you know our corporate team does marketing team does a wonderful job of hosting webinars, uh, creating the marketing uh, uh, theses for for customers. So, so it's going to be an interesting year for 2023. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think I think all of them points there are, are literally critical as well. Spending way more time with the customers, finding out the problems that they're having. Um, and of course, pushing uh, new innovation into the market as well, which is just awesome. I'm, although it's obviously it's a tough time with everybody being laid off in the market, but by the end of next year, I'm I'm always an optimist when it comes to like this, just being a recruiter <laughs> anyway. But I think by the end of next year, I think hopefully things uh, things will be picking back up on that front. But then again, you've got all this innovation that happens from all across these companies as well. So yeah, it's all absolutely awesome. And um, I guess the next tip that I want to go into as well is uh, you've had so much experience, 30 years that we've discussed before across multiple vendors. Um, and of course, being a recruiter, um, I always have to ask this type of question about building teams and your tips that you've learned all over the years. So how do you build an, effect, an effective customer success team um, as well as professional services as well? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's no magic formula for that, but you know, as you learn through experiences and every experience teaches you how to take some corrective actions, right? I mean, some of the things a lot of folks uh, probably will appreciate is that you learn through your failures. And, you know, having been in this business for a very long time, I had my share set of failures and I've learned a lot through them. When I look at customer success uh, as a function, as a practitioner, you know, depending upon the size of the company, depending on the maturity of the product and so on and so forth, uh, you have to look at individuals that are really going to provide value and be in a position to provide that orchestration function that can proactively provide information on the product, the capabilities of the product, and drive that uh, mentality with the customer on how to extract the capabilities of the product. It's a very unique skill. It's a business consultative skill where you're trying to, you know, you're not doing the marketing of the product, but you're looking at it more in terms of the consultative way of how you can extract the value of the product. When you look at PS, right, it's purely a way of how you want to deploy. So somebody who has got that architectural mindset, somebody who can get into the nitty gritties of the product and clearly define it, this is the use case. This is how we're going to deploy the product. This is how you can get the value. So at large, if I look at a baseline structure for each function, right, uh, technical excellence, 
business excellence and operational excellence becomes the cornerstone. Because if you're a good customer success manager, you exactly know how to define an onboarding process with your customer. You know, there are systems and tools that are available to you, but you need to understand those basic elements of what is onboarding. It is an orchestration function. You don't play the piano, but you are going to make sure that the piano, can, the piano player is equally playing with the flute, with, with the other bass players, and that is how you have to drive it. And in the case of CSM, you're working with PS, you're working with support, you're working with TAM, you're working with sales, SEs, reps. So it is a very critical function that you have the collaboration, communication piece of the puzzle, along with the basic technical excellence so that you can maneuver these things. So I, when I look at building organizations, I typically take a broad view of first, let's take a look at where our install base is, right? And typically we know 60 to 70% of your install base is North America and then the rest of the world. But then you, as you cross the boundaries, as you get into the Atlantic side of the house, as you get into Asia Pacific, you know, the language dynamics comes into picture. And then Japan is very unique. Having spent time in Japan, you need to know the local language, the local construct. Similar things apply in Europe as well. You know, Spain and Fr France are very unique. So you have to take a broader view of the technical excellence, the business excellence, along with these regional dynamics, the cultural boundaries that are equally important, and then put together a structure so that you're able to provide that local view to your customers, keeping in mind the global perspective as well. Because you are a global company. You're not going to create processes for a particular region. But once you create the global processes, the global execution, the global framework, you are allowed to create that level of customization based on the regional asks. Because there's a language construct, there's a cultural construct, all these things add, and you have to keep all these data points into consideration. Same thing with support, right? You have to build a 24 by 7, 365 capability so that your customers are getting the right value, the right time to respond uh, when they open a case with you. So it is something that you learn through the process. And then let's not forget our partners. Our partners play a very important role in this ecosystem. And working with these ecosystem partners is equally important. So how do you define a, a, a DSP that, wa that wants to become an MSSP or a system integrator that wants to work with us purely from a rack and stack perspective? Now rack and stack typically in the subscription world doesn't apply, but there's a lot of work that the partners absolutely can do even in the subscription world because once they get access to the platform, they have capabilities to manage the platform as well. A lot of vendors create this multi-tenant capability so that if you are the master, you can take care of the children and these children could be unique different customers. So all these data points have to be well-defined. Each of them is going to have their own swim lane, but you have to tie all of these together with a customer engagement framework. Because at the end of the day, you know, each one of these functions has to impact the outcomes in a very positive way. Like for example, I want the entire onboarding of a customer to be done in the first 10 days post the PO. I want the customer to be deployed in the first 30 days so that it gives me enough time to define the time to value function. Because if the customer doesn't get the value from the product in the first 45 to 60 days, it becomes a shelf. Once the product is deployed, I also want to make sure that if customer opens a case, I'm able to respond. So I need to make sure that my global support is equipped. And at the base of this is creating a maniacal focus on technical excellence uh, through the certification program. I'm a big 
fans that when people are certified on their product, their ability to present the value of the product is far better than somebody not certified. So the certification function, and I think Cisco, it all started with Cisco. You know, Cisco started their CCI certification and a lot of folks that got certified were truly able to provide a lot of technical capabilities to the customer in terms of defining how an architecture needs to be put together. And using that operating thesis, you know, at Sky Security, we have created our certifications. We have a level one, a level two certification. And that becomes a baseline that every employee that comes on board has to go through that certification. You have created a separate certification for our CSFs because they still need to understand the product, the onboarding process. So to me, when you put all these things together, you really have wonderful mechanics of measuring the effectiveness of the program because there's an execution. And then of course, you know, you need to bring in the right, right leaders that can maniacally drive the operations, but they all work as one cohesive unit. The other very important thing, which we've done very different at Sky Security is that we're not looking at every single function to drive TNL. TNL has to be driven at the highest level. Everyone else in post sales needs to focus on how they're going to create that rich experience for the customer. Like how can we get the customer onboarded within a specific time frame? So I want the CSMs to focus on that. I want them to create that orchestration function so that every other function post onboarding is equally equipped to prosecute every single deliverable that is associated with the function. I don't want PS to be focused on, hey, can I get the deployment done in five days? And then after five days, I really don't care because I've cut the umbilical cord because I'm measured on a particular margin. We took out that margin business and we said, we want you to focus on value. Now, people are going to say, hey, you know, we need PS to be a margin business. And that's true. But at the end of the day, my simple thought process is if a customer is going to spend a dollar with you, you can't slice that dollar into 10 different pieces and say, this is my PNL. Rather, keep that PNL at the highest level and let's focus on how we can create the value for the customer so that that dollar becomes $2 over a period of time or that dollar becomes $10 over a period of time. Then you don't have to fight on margins. So those are different techniques we have put together to ensure that everyone is focused on that customer experience. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you need a strong business operations function that can create the tools, the processes, both internally and externally. You know, having a robust knowledge base is equally important so that a lot of our customers can access those knowledge bases, pull out the how-tos, get an understanding of the product capabilities, the features, et cetera. And then in parallel, working with our engineering and cloud operations team. Because in a SaaS environment, you know, your reliability of your service is dependent upon a robust infrastructure. So how you partner with your cloud operations team so that one, you can show the high availability. So building multiple POPs, creating the resiliency, creating the HA capabilities are extremely critical. So all these facets ultimately help you in building a great customer success function which acts as one cohesive unit, which is ultimately focused on providing value to the customer, rich customer, and quality of response. Because when these things come together, your retention, your renewal, your upsell motions become a lot more easier. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think I think it's awesome there because you mentioned a couple of times about 
everybody working together and everybody working fluidly. And I think that's a huge part of the process, even when you're looking to hire people and going through the process with individuals. I'd, I'd like to just ask you that question. How do you identify somebody who can work in that environment, um, especially throughout the hiring process? Because that sometimes can be very difficult. It is. People continue to be in their own swim lanes, but this is where as a leader, you have to continue to reinforce that, you know, this is a team of Navy SEALs. You have to play your position consistently, but at the same time, you have to focus on the broader vision and the broader mission. And you have to reinforce this. Some of this cannot be taught in a business school of how you work together as a team, right? This is something that as leaders, we'll have to enforce, coach, nurture people, because, you know, most of the leaders come in with good experience. You know, some of the things cannot be taught. They have to be learned through the experience. So for example, you know, I often continue to talk to my leadership team that, hey, you've got a PO yesterday. Do you think we have deployed the customer? Have we welcomed the customer? And if the concern is why, and if the concern is, hey, we cannot do that, let's understand the why. Let's understand what can be done. Because unless you ask the why's, the how's, the what's, you're not going to be in a position to really understand what their problems are. So as a team, we have to not only just focus on, you know, everything is working well, but we have to also focus on what are the things that we need to improve upon? Do the handoffs from one function to another work as smoothly, as flawlessly as one would expect? There's a lot of greasing of the machines that needs to be done. It's not going to work as a well-oiled machine day one. You have to go through various you know, steps. You have to go through reinforcements. You have to identify what the flaws are, what the lacunas are. And then every step in the way, you have to take some uh, uh, you know, you have to take some corrective actions. It's 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 an it's it's an ongoing process where every step in the way, every week, every month, every quarter, you have to do some introspection to understand what worked, what did not work. Because it's very easy to say, oh, I had a problem with a system, and the system could not generate a report. Well, it's easy to blame a system, but you could still work without a system because you know the PO came on first of Jan, and it's thirtieth of Jan, and the customer isn't deployed. So we have to make sure that people don't fall into this uh, mechanics of giving excuses. You want to make sure that every leader takes their functional responsibility and accountability to the highest level. And at the same time, they work with their peers together with one single cohesive view. And it's not an easy task. I mean, you know, I've been in this business for a long time and we all tend to fall into our, uh, into our bad habits that each one of us focuses on our own swim lanes uh, without, you know, thinking through the broader vision. You know, this reminds me of a great movie that uh, Stephen Covey had talked about, which is A Bridge on the River Kavai. And if you look at that movie, this great general, is, he's an excellent uh, builder of bridges, but he forgets that he was building the bridge for the enemy to destroy his camp. And that is exactly what we need to focus on. What are we trying to do? Are we trying to look at the broader vision in every step in the way so that at the end of the day, we all collectively as a unit can provide that rich, valuable experience to the customers. Otherwise, we, have, we are just going to point fingers at one another and that's not going to create a synergy across the team. And if the leaders cannot work together, think about the people that are actually in the trenches that do not see these things. So one view, one mission, one goal is what our operating mantra is. 
Yeah, no, I I really love that, and even myself, I know we're a lot smaller business, but it's about building where everybody can can kind of play a part in the ecosystem, but also also everybody working together as well in a kind of fluid way. But yeah, there's there's problems that do come with that, I'm sure, especially a, a larger organization like uh, Sky High as well. Yeah. But so I guess then I guess that kind of brings us on really nicely to the next part then, because you mentioned really on earlier on about the farming and and the hunter side of things, and I'd love to dive into the details with you about the partnerships well customer success partnerships with the sales organization um especially on the hunter side so tell me a little bit more about that yeah i mean you know sales partnership is absolutely critical to the business i mean i look at it in in, in multiple dimensions me and my peer my chief revenue officer we are like two in the box and my objective is to serve the sales team in such a way that they are focused more on hunting and farming and not really focused on post sales. Now, yes, in an ideal world, we would like every salesperson to just focus on sales initiatives. But in a real world, we have to also take a pragmatic view. Yes, 15 to 20% of sales engagement is gonna be on post sales. For a very simple reason that they have great relationships with the strategic customers, both at a tactical level and strategic level. So the operating mantra for my team is, can we reduce that 15 to 20% to 10%? Because the more time we take away for sales rep on a hard issue or a technical issue, we are taking them away from, from their core focus. So my relationship or my engagement with, with my peer has always been every issue that comes in to you, just send it to my team or send it to me. And we will take the ownership, we will take the responsibility, and we will come back to you and appraise you about what the situation is. Now, that is more at a tactical level, at a strategic level. Our goal is to make sure that before that issue occurs, can we mitigate that issue? So that way, we don't have to get into a situation where we need the sales execs, we need support, engineering, all on the call. So that is one of the themes that is going to be a lot more critical in 2023. And even beyond, is that how can we be a lot more proactive and mitigative so that we allow our sales friends to really focus on the sales motion and not worry about anything on the post-sales side? Yeah, it is a combination of system process and people, because you have to make sure that the communication happens in a consistent way so that they are appraised about what's going on at an account level and each account provide and we have an account view, which is which we call as a 360 view and our CSMs work very closely with our account managers to keep them appraised about what's going on in the account. We have a governance that is established. But yes, it is both a tactical and a strategic relationship and a very critical relationship because that is where we, we, we have to partner in such a way that customer sees us as one cohesive unit. Again, I'm emphasizing on the word cohesive is because customers really don't care who they call. They call a company. And within the company, we have created these divisions that are focused on various things. But from a customer perspective, they bought a product from a vendor, Sky High Security. So it is Sky High Security is now prerogative to ensure that we provide that rich experience uh, to our customers. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that partnership is just key as well. I mean, even the partnership with um, 
sales and sales engineers and customer success but i think the 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 main kind of everything that we've gone through today is the cohesive everybody working together um which is so critical to a business's success because if a customer sees that there's a bit off as well they they will get put off the company itself so no i think it's awesome up here and we've gone through a lot of topics today and i think especially that the heading into 2023 one's going to be really impactful to a lot of the people listening but i think um yeah no i really really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and going through all this information with us and yeah i guess uh maybe we'll do one later at the end of the year to see how the year's gone <laughs> absolutely Elliot. it's been a pleasure and you know there's a lot more information uh, that we can share that we can discuss uh, but i think we've touched on some very interesting data points you know the role of cco is going to be very critical uh not only today but in future as well i think the partnership with sales is absolutely critical and that is where it starts whether it's a new sales motion or whether it is an existing customer how we partner how we work with our friends and sales is extremely critical there is no simple magic formula um, every company operates differently but the bottom line is every sales leader knows that they want to focus their teams and they want to make sure that their teams are focused on doing more new sale upsell cross sell they don't want to be engaged in post sales and that is what every cco should be thinking about that how can we move away from this perspective where sales is purely focused on sales motion we need to keep them appraised about what's going on but everything else needs to be led right from the upfront uh, by the customer success organization no for sure for sure and it's um it's an awesome awesome topics as well that we've gone through but again i really really appreciate you coming on and and giving us all your wisdom as we head into this year as well i'm sure people are going to be very grateful but <laughs> no thank you very much for coming on abhay and um yeah have a great have a great year ahead Absolutely. Thank you so much. And you have a great year ahead as well. Thank you, everyone. Bye.